Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 48 of Pigskins and Nylon, presented by Tabbies.com, the best LTA edible on the market. But even more importantly than just being on episode 48, it is our Big Ten Bowl Preview Show. We've been putting in so much time this entire year, more than we've ever done before on teams like Rutgers to Purdue's, and now we actually get to have it culminated with a bowl preview show, which is really awesome. But guys, Christmas was just a few days ago. Hayden, Casey, how did you guys celebrate? Was it a great Christmas? Well, just, I guess, how are you guys doing overall? I'm doing great, man. Christmas was good. Battled a little sickness within the past week, but getting better. want to say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to all of our listeners out there and you too as well. Hope everyone is having a safe holiday and bowl season. I, I made a little note here. I wanted to give a special special shout out to our listeners who are Browns fans because I know there are a few. I totally called this season happening. I believe I said nine and eight or ten and seven at best, and it's really looking like they're gonna miss the playoffs now. So even though my Steelers aren't going to make it either, it's been really nice to see the the Browns collapse, and uh, hopefully that can bring the fans back down to reality. Uh, there's my shout-out for the day. Well, I know people like Hayden's dad and my dad, diehard Bengals fans, so I know they're living it up too. All they need now is a win or a little bit of help, maybe get the division their own way. But who knows? Browns aren't dead yet. They, they win out. Bengals lose out. It looks very possible that they could still get there, however difficult that may be. Hayden, how did you celebrate Christmas? Hopefully you're doing well for both of you guys. New little families. It's your last Christmas before something kind of changes here. Yes, yeah, the last Christmas before my life turns into crazy, but, you know, it's it's all good. You asked me how I was doing, and I'll just repeat what I said. I'm alive. So we've been uh, grinding some basketball games. Hasn't been going the greatest, but always looking for the positive. So, you know, we got some chance. We got a chance to win some games moving forward, which is what you want to see. I wish I was more excited to do this bowl preview than both of you are. I'm not very excited because I, I don't have a good feeling about a lot of these games, particularly the Ohio State game. I have a horrible feeling. Uh, and spoiler alert, I am taking Utah on the money line. So, yeah, that, that's kind of where my head's at right now. No, and I don't blame you. We'll be getting to that here very shortly. I think that's going to be one of the games, I would say, that's going to be most competitive, at least on paper it looks that way. Maybe that Penn State-Arkansas game as well. But we'll get into that right after here. We're going to have a couple things first. Casey, as always, let's throw it over to you. Let's get a little update on the recruiting corner. I don't know what Christmas is usually like. Is this a dead period, or is this usually a little hot and heavy with all the bowls going on? Well, first, Wally, I want, I want to know how your Christmas was and, and what you did, if you could tell the listeners what you were doing over Christmas. Oh, well, it was nothing crazy on my end. I Great Christmas, got to spend it with family. I, I, I got everything I could have wanted. I'm actually sitting at a desk right now in my room where for the longest time I'd been using a medicine ball in my bed as my desk. And having an actual desk right now, it makes me feel like – you know, it's that thing in your head. I feel like I'm working better, even though it's just I'm sitting at a desk. So things are doing great. I couldn't be happier. And like you said, Casey, earlier, happy New Year and Merry Christmas to everybody at home and our great listeners. Yeah, I noticed that you were at a, a different spot, it looks like, today. So 
That's that's awesome, man. But yeah, not too much to report on in the recruiting world. Most teams have wrapped up their 2022 classes and are starting to begin their focus on the class of 2023. Uh, there still are a few prospects out there who have yet to commit that Ohio State specifically will have their hand in. But with the early signing period, you know, on December 15th, most of these classes are wrapped up. But there were a few solid commits in the class of 2023 for a few Big Ten teams. Iowa landed a four-star quarterback, Marco Lenez third. He's from New Jersey. He's a really good get for the Hawkeyes because we saw how poorly their quarterback play was all season. Penn State landed a big boy three-star Joshua Miller, who's an interior offensive lineman from Virginia. And Northwestern also lands a three-star offensive lineman, Dylan Senda, who's actually from the state of Michigan. That's it for football. In basketball, Purdue lands a big-time recruit in the class of 2023. Draw Gibbs Lawthorne, who is the 30th-ranked player in the country. He's out of the state of Utah. So that's all we have for Casey's Recruiting Corner this week. Expect things to pick up a little bit within the next few weeks as many players will announce at all-star games and, and once the college football season is over. Thank you as always for that, Casey. We'll check back in in the new year. Hopefully get a little bit more life in the basketball into that as well for the people at home. We will be focusing a lot more on basketball, but right now, bit of a dead period with all the COVID outbreaks. Not a lot of basketball to talk about. So this is going to be pretty much an exclusively football show. So, hey, now I'm actually going to throw it over to you now. Had a few other news piece stories worth at least talking about this last week or so. Can you let us know what other football news is out there before we jump into the bowl games here? Absolutely, dude. Jeez, with with, with COVID and everything going on, there's kind of been a lot going on to kind of hit on recruiting, but more specifically the transfer portal. Jack Miller is transferring and he announced he's going to Florida which is just an interesting move, I think, going down working with Billy Napier. Just because his I, – I think I read a lot about his past offenses. He's preferred a, a mobile quarterback, and I don't really see Jack Miller as being – you know, not necessarily non-mobile, but he's not your dual threat protege that you would be looking for. But it, it, interesting get for them. Uh, he goes down to Florida. Michigan's offensive line wins the Joe Moore Award, which is – Given to the nation's best offensive line, which I think is completely well-deserved the way they played down the stretch. I mean, that was that was the unit that really delivered a lot of big games for them. With COVID, you know, outbreak going on, Texas A&M can no longer play in the Gator Bowl, which is good for us. Rutgers, Rutgers is getting the nod. I, I don't know how it came to Rutgers, but, but Rutgers is going to play Wake Forest in the Gator Bowl. So that'll be interesting for them to say the least with I assume they weren't practicing and now they were allowed to start so it'll be interesting to see how that goes the last thing here transfer portal again and I'm going to completely butcher this name Virginia's center I believe it was a center Victor Olawatomi well that's what we'll go with I I mean I don't know if it's right (laughs) but it sounded good Hey, uh, all you got to do is try your best. Um, he is actually transferring to Michigan. So he was a, a finalist for the Remington Award. And really, I think a big time gift for Michigan because they were going to lose a couple pieces on the offensive line. So that's that's big for them. They kind of replace a couple guys for next year's team. Yeah, I'll, I'll comment on on those real quick. Um, hey, I thought that the Miller move was 
was interesting as well. But I mean, you know, he obviously knows better than what we do, and I, you know, I wish Jack Miller nothing but the best. He was buried deep in one of the deepest quarterback rooms in the country, so you got to find your spot. You know, Michigan went in the best offensive line in the unit or offensive line unit in the nation. I I think is well deserved as well. You know, there were a few teams throughout the year that were able to disrupt what they wanted to do offensively. But one thing that st- stood out to me, and and I thought it when the team like the teams were announced too, the offensive line at Michigan, the unit that just won the Joe Moore Award, had zero All Americans and zero first team All Big Ten selections. So really, an incredible accomplishment by the unit as a whole. Which uh, you know, like Hayden mentioned, mentioned Michigan got Victor Alo from Virginia. You know, dude was one of the three best centers in the nation, and, and he's expected to transfer to Michigan. So it looks like that unit, who I believe Hayden is only losing for Stardust next year, looks to be replacing him with someone that's even better. So good for Michigan. And then, you know, last thing, good for Rutgers. And Hayden, to your point, I believe that they were selected to the bowl game because they had the highest, I think it's APR, which is, which means like they did the best out of all the five win teams in their academic progress reports or whatever. So, you know, it's pretty cool to see that their efforts in the classroom get uh, rewarded with a bowl game this year. The shame of it was is that Illinois was the team right behind Rutgers for the second best academic scores. And I just thought that would have been the most fitting end of this entire football year. It starts with us just shitting all over that program and now it's really would have been even if they got blown out by wick which is probably what Rutgers is going to have happen it's still an accomplishment for these programs that haven't been to a bowl in a long time and to do it on the academic success it's kind of cool when the academic side of the student athletes kind of disappeared so it would be cool to see that Uh, a couple other quick notes and then I'll be done with this as well like Jack Miller I know I think you actually thought I was poking fun a little bit the other day Hayden I said, I really hope he does well. And for me, it truly was just a, like, I do. I, I have nothing against Jack Miller. I, I know I don't want the SEC in Florida to, like, blow up. But he seems, from all accounts, to be a really good kid. And he really put the team first while he was there. I have nothing against him. It's not like the Quinn Ewers situation where, what, now the guy's got a million dollars. He's already made more money than I have. And I'm, like, six years older and I get the root against him a little bit. I'm kind of happy for at least... Jack Miller, I'm hoping he does well. And then last, last thing, Casey, you said it. You took the words out of my mouth. Michigan O-line, no All-Americans, not really decorated individually, but that just says how much more impressive to me it was that it was a total team effort. And this is the kind of years that, or like the things that are going to have to happen for teams like Michigan to really be a national title contender is you need that total team effort. You need that developed from within feel. And all you can do is tip your hat. It's every week we've only been glowing about what this team has done this year. As much as it hurts, I guess, for Hayden and I to say, you only can take your hat off to what this team has done top to bottom. Yeah, I completely agree, Wally. And one thing that I've noticed really since after the the Big Ten Championship and as we've gotten into bowl season, one thing that the Michigan offensive line does better than anybody in the country, and I don't think you can debate it, is they help their running backs finish the run. They will push piles. They will push their own running back forward and get two to three extra yards. And I, I, 
I, I don't know. I guess maybe it's just something that I've noticed. I've seen a lot of running backs doing a lot by themselves and their linemen are just trailing back. So, yeah, I, I completely agree, Wally, that that unit just as a whole just collectively works well together. Casey, I'm going to put you on the spot. And the only reason I'm going to do this is because I believe that your, I don't know, qualifications or specifications about going back to being a Michigan fan was that they beat Ohio State and they win a Big Ten championship. Both of those things have now been accomplished. Actually, just beat Ohio State. Either way. So are you back on the wagon? Yeah, I I don't I don't think I can this year, right? Because you know they're they're twelve and one without me. If if I hop on now, they're going to lose on Friday, and then I'm just going to be the same old disappointed Michigan fan that I was the previous twenty five years of my life. Okay, question though is that let's say even if they lose to Georgia, obviously you're saying you're going to be a fan again going into next year. I imagine what happens in thirty years? He shrugs, you shrug, so you're not even committing. I was just going to say, what happens in 20 years, you have your own little Casey Mocks running around the house. What are you going to be trying to instill in them? Is it just a, hey, go out and just find your college football love? Or is it going to be pushing them to the maze and blue a little? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it kind of depends on, you know, what Uncle Hayden, Uncle Wally do. If Uncle Hayden, Uncle Wally leave them go then, you know, I'll just kind of let them do their own thing. But if you guys are pushing them hard to go one way, I might have to lean them toward the other. So basically my takeaway is that he's non-committal. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, either way, whoever, if I hopped on now, I'm going to be called a bandwagon fan. If they win the national title, I'm going to be a bandwagon fan in everyone else's eyes. And, and to be honest with you, the past two years of not like being a diehard Michigan have fan, been no have, fun. No, have been so stress free, but also not fun. I feel like I've been able to enjoy more college football because of it, though. You know, it's like being a Houston fan. You, you, you there's nothing that you can you can never win a championship. So what's the point? I I I don't know, man. Are are, are you guys wanting me to or what? Yes, because I feel like there, I don't know, like, I feel like it is there. It is very obviously right underneath the surface. You might not want to acknowledge it, but you can feel the Wolverine in you. Like, for better or worse, you can feel it. It's that, it's the Star Wars thing, the whole, the force or whatever. I I can feel it with you. I just know the second I do, it's going to be 2019 all over again. So, I'm just not, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. We'll have to talk about it here because next week when we do this show, we're at least going to know if Michigan is playing for a national championship or if they might perhaps be looking to 2022 like a lot of other college football teams, which we're going to throw it into the bowl preview now. We're going to go in chronological order with the exception of that college football playoff game with Michigan. We'll save that one for last. I think it's fair every year we probably do that for the, the biggest game at least. So we're going to start right now with the West Virginia-Minnesota Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Before we get into that, last year the Big Ten went 3-2, and two, including 1-1 one and one in the college football playoff. But our last full bowl season in 2019, we saw the Big Ten go 4-5. and five. So we're hopefully going to see a little bit better of a, of a bowl season here as the Big Ten looks to get back on track. 
West Virginia and Minnesota. Just to, before we get into the spreads, I guess, for a little bit of context sake, West Virginia, they're starting running back in future NFL draft pick, Letty Brown. He's opting out. He'll be missing a game, and you'll see that's going to be a, like a trend this entire bowl season. A lot of opt-outs. Minnesota on the other side, they've overcome a lot of injuries this year at the running back position. I'm going to go over to you guys first on this game. What are you expecting? This is also tonight's game. So there's a chance you guys get into it a little late because we got to our preview show later. We wanted to. What do you guys think is going to happen here? I, I think it depends on which Minnesota team shows up, right? Is it the one that, you know, played Ohio State close in the opener? Or is it the team that lost to Bowling Green and, and skated by Miami, Ohio? I, I really think that's what it comes down to. And as much as I give P.J. Flack a lot of shit because I think he's – just over the top. I, I I think he'll have his team ready to go. Like you said, they've overcome a lot of injuries, specifically at the running back position. And, and West Virginia has been a little susceptible to to being run on on the ground. So I I really think PJ Flack will have the Gophers ready, at least ready enough to beat this West Virginia team. They're not world beaters by any means. So I I'm going I'm going to go with Minnesota to cover this game. I think it's what five and a half. Uh, I'm going to take Minnesota minus the five and a half. I'm also taking the under just because I think Minnesota is going to try and control the clock like they have for most of the season. Hayden, I I agree with you, man. Minnesota is one of the weirdest teams in the country, let alone the Big Ten this year. You know, they've played up to their competition, but they also played really, really down. And their down times have really bitten me in the butt picking them a few times this year. So I'm really hesitant, but... I am going to go with Minnesota to win the game. I'm going to say it's 23-20. to 20, So I have West Virginia covering the 5.5 with former Bowling Green quarterback who was five, like from seven years ago, Jared Dagey, leading the Mountaineers. It, that's when you feel old, when you hear names like that. There's a lot of those kind of moments where we look back on these guys that have been around five, six years. It makes me hate myself. But no, yeah, I'm with you guys. This is the weird thing about Minnesota is – like you said, they've had such a turbulent season, but in games where I feel like they've either been doubted or they're look or going in as a little bit of an underdog, the defense has shown up. We talk about Wisconsin and Iowa's defense all year, but Minnesota's was quietly a really good defense. And you saw it in that Wisconsin-Minnesota game. They just out Wisconsin Wisconsin and good for Minnesota. My biggest concern is do they feel a little snubbed having to play a West Virginia team in a guaranteed rate ball at 8-4, and four, the second best team in the Big Ten West, where West Virginia might be a little bit more up for that? That's my only concern. I don't think it's an issue, so I'm with you guys. I do think the Hog Mollies are going to wear down the small West Virginia run defense, and they are really, really small. I have Minnesota winning 21-13, to 13, and that means I have them covering, and I'm taking the under there as well, guys. And then let's just jump into our next game now. This is where <laughs> you got to hope it, it's probably going to be a little bit more aesthetically pleasing this game opposed to the Minnesota one. Maryland and Virginia Tech, they're going to face off at the New Era Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium. That's always pretty cool. I always think that's a nice little gimmick there. Giving you guys the lines real quick before I give you my pick this time. Maryland is a three and a half point favorite now in this game with the over under set at 54 and a half. This is Maryland's first bowl since 2016. We're on the flip. 
Virginia Tech hasn't missed a bowl game since 1992. So these are two teams in a very different spot of where the program is. But the problem is that you can feel Virginia Tech kind of in that new birth period with Brent Pry coming in. And Maryland, they feel like they're kind of gaining a little bit of momentum here. So I have Virginia Tech as a shell of themselves right now. I don't think they're going to be able to cover this game. But I think they're going to be able to make Brent Pry at least proud, keep it close. But this day is for the Terps. The passing game is going to be too much for them. They're going to win 27-20. Get one for the Big Ten again here. I have Maryland covering. I have them on the money line. And I have them on the under of 54.5 as well. I think we're going to give out our grades for each Big Ten team here in the next episode. But uh, sneak peek, Maryland is one of those teams that I, I had higher expectations for going into the year. I just thought their offense would be, I guess, better and their defense would be a lot better. Maybe not necessarily in winning more games. I think you know, six, seven, eight is probably the tops for Maryland. But I just think that I had higher expectations for them to compete against the the bigger, the better teams in the Big Ten this year, and they just haven't. But um, I think Maryland has the better offense, and both defenses are are not very good. Virginia Tech's defense gives up 385 yards a game compared to Maryland's 415, so not much of a difference there. And um, I just have more faith in Maryland's offense, plus the guys at Virginia Tech who are sitting out. I'm going to roll with Maryland minus three and a half. I'm going to take that money line. I have them winning the game 31 to 20. This game, I, I think, was one of the ones that I was most confused uh, about the spread because I think if this were a regular season game, Virginia Tech would be favored, like, slightly. But as you guys mentioned, you know, they have so many guys sitting out, including their quarterback, Braxton Burmeister, which I think is going to make the difference in this game. Breaking in a new quarterback in a bowl game, granted, it is the pinstripe bowl and it's not a huge game, but that's still a, a, a pretty decent challenge. And I just have more faith that Tua's little bro is going to be able to put up some numbers uh, in this one. So I'm taking Maryland minus the three and a half. I'm giving the three and a half points. I think they'll get it done. And I'm also going to go the under, and that's just because of Virginia Tech's offense with a new quarterback. I think they'll be a little more uh, limited in the passing department than perhaps they would be with their starter. I like that pick, Hayden. And last thing we'll say, and we'll throw it into the next game here, but going off what you were talking about with Burmeester being out for Virginia Tech is that Maryland did beat West Virginia at home earlier this year. I know they're not the exact same team, but West Virginia, I mean, we just talked about them playing Minnesota. They're a formidable opponent. And the fact that they were able to dispatch them, I'm hoping that we see at least a little bit of that same effort out of Maryland this week. But as we go now into our next game, and a game that I don't know why people are sleeping on, I actually think it's going to be better than a lot of people expect. Tennessee is going to basically host Purdue in the Music City Bowl in Nashville. You heard us get upset about that last week. I won't go into that. Regrettably for Purdue fans, George Carl Loftus and David Bell did declare for the NFL draft they will not be playing in this game. But that doesn't mean this team's out of it. Casey, I know that you've been a really big, I almost said Ian Hutchinson, Ian O'Connell fan all year long. Do you think that Purdue might be able to, I keep it closer in the four and a half, but do you think they could win? Oh, man. If David Bell and Carl Loftus were playing, man, I, I would have easily taken Purdue. There would have been no chance I would have taken Tennessee. But those are two massive 
losses for Purdue. And unfortunately, I am picking against my first Big Ten team in the bowl season. And I have Tennessee winning the game 42-31. to Tennessee covers the five and a half, and I'm going with the over. I do think Purdue will be able to to score and, and move the ball because, like Wally said, I, I think Aiden O'Connell is a very good quarterback, and I'm glad that he's coming back to Purdue next year. They could be a real threat in the West. So I think they put up points, but I, to be honest with you, Tennessee's offense is really, really good as well. So if, if Bell and Carl Loftus were playing, this would have been one of the more entertaining games, in my opinion, of all non-New Year's Six bowl games. No, dude, Casey, you could have said it any better. I, I This is a weird game where I feel like because of the last 15 years, people that don't watch Tennessee a lot wouldn't expect them to have the offense they have, where at the same time, people that are not Big Ten fans wouldn't expect Purdue to have the defense that they've had this year. Outside of that Ohio State game, Purdue's defense has actually been pretty good. And on the flip, for us Big Ten people that don't watch, Tennessee's offense is scoring almost 40 points a game this year. That is not something we're used to seeing from them. And regrettably, I'm with you, Casey, because of the opt-outs. I just think that's too much to overcome for Purdue. I think Tennessee wins this game 34-24 to behind a lot of success on the ground, reminding Purdue fans a lot of the Badgers game, unfortunately, earlier this year. So I have Tennessee minus 5.5 in the under of 64.5, which is a lot, a lot of points regardless of these teams. Hayden, what do you got? You guys both nailed it. The two opt-outs for Purdue are going to be too much to overcome. Uh, I got Tennessee giving the five and a half. No, they're they're taking the five and a half. Sorry. Wait, no. What am I talking about? Tennessee, five and a half point favorite. I'm taking them. And I'm also taking the under in this ballgame. All right. Well, then, perfect. We'll go into our next game now. Yeah, Tennessee is giving the five and a half. Yes. Yeah, you were doing great. You're doing great. You got to believe in yourself. But here, our next game, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, which three weeks ago looked like the game to see on New Year's Six, or at least that area of those games, it's set now between Kenny Pickett, Kenneth Walker to third opting out. Game has lost a ton of its juice right here. Actually, I was surprised to find out Michigan State is actually favored now at this point by two and a half points, where at the start of this, it was actually the other side of that. I know that Kenny Pickett is a Heisman finalist, a top 10 pick in the NFL draft this year. But his absence, I don't know if it's going to be as felt as we expected to with how bad Michigan State's defense is. Hayden, we'll go to you first this time. Who are you going to pick here in this game? And do you think the Spartans are going to be able to overcome their defensive deficiencies? Well, yeah, I think you could play quarterback quarterback for Pitt, and I could I could run a go and probably catch the ball in this game. <laughs> so <laughs> I think anybody for Pitt is going to be able to throw the ball but I really think even though Kenneth Walker isn't going to play, I still think Michigan State is going to be able to, to rely on their run game and get just enough momentum here to squeak out the win. They're only two and a half point favorites, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take Michigan State minus the two and a half. I I think it's gonna be very, very close. And surprisingly, this this is the bold part. I, I'm gonna take the under in this game. It just feels like everybody's going to be betting the over because Michigan State's defense is bad and everything like that. So I, I'm going to take the under just to be opposite of everybody. Wally, like you said, uh, this was you know set to be one of the most interesting and really fun games of the entire bowl season, in my opinion, until you know Pickett and Walker opted out. 
takes away a little juice. But ultimately, I, I think both teams are going to play their tails off because this is a massive game for both programs. The opportunity to sell to recruits that you can go out and, and make it and win a New Year's Six Bowl game would be absolutely huge. I don't really have a good gut feeling with this game, but I think I'm going to roll with the Spartans to get it done just because I think – you know, as, as bad as Michigan State's pass defense is, I think missing Kenny Pickett is going to be too much for Pitt. I think Michigan State covers the two and a half. I'm taking Michigan State money line, and I'm going to go with the over. Michigan State winning 35-31. to 31. I hate to be the, the sad rain cloud guy again on the Big Ten here, but I just don't see it happening. Pittsburgh has a top 10 rush defense. And I don't know if Peyton Thorne is good enough to win a game. And that's what I think might be asked of him to do in this game. Especially with, regardless of who's the quarterback for Pitt, I don't think they're going to be laboring to score points. And I think Peyton Thorne is going to show a little bit more. So I actually have Pitt winning and covering the 2.5. So take the money line as well. The over of 55.5. Because I have this being a 38-24 to Pittsburgh win. It's going to trick a lot of Pitt fans into think that they have a quarterback for the future when in reality, it's more of the opposition they're playing here. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I just don't see it. I, I'm actually pretty confident that Pitt's going to win this game. That should make you feel terrible. Every time you feel any kind of good, you feel bad. And when you don't feel good, you have to. it's the fading yourself method, which credit to you, Hayden, earlier this year when you started at least feeling that way and you flipped on it, that's when the betting turn happened, and you're going to win. We're going to have to – this is just the kneel-down phase of the It's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. This is the kneel-down phase of the gambling season. Casey and I That's are why fighting. I'm not taking any money lines. I'm trying to limit as much units as I bet because I don't want to have to – you know, something happen where I lose like four units on just money line bets. I'm not doing it. I'm playing safe, conservative. We're playing trestle ball. We're running the clock. We're going to punt. And this is where this is fun because Casey and I are trying to avoid the last place blunder and at least make this look respectable with a couple garbage time scores here. But that's okay. So we have at least our picks there. Hopefully the Spartans come out on top. A couple of us have them. I do not. Our next game, the SRS distribution. That sounds ridiculous. The Las Vegas Bowl out there in Allegiant Stadium. My Raiders out there at least look like they – at least are an average football team right now. It makes me happy. Wisconsin. Playoffs. Playoffs. Lock them in. It. Nope. Lock nope. them in. Stop it. Wisconsin is playing Arizona State. Wisconsin is actually, it started as a seven-point favorite. I was surprised it's down to six right here. Go Raiders. I'm ignoring that. I got nothing of value to say. I, I'm, I'm ignoring that. But the Badgers are six-point favorites here at Allegiant Stadium. This is one of the games I know it's not going to be sexy. But I'm really excited to watch this game because I think it's going to be a four-quarter game. I think this is a true last possession football game. Wisconsin, similar to what we were saying earlier with Virginia Tech, they're, they've now played in 20 consecutive bowls. And they've won six of seven here. They're hot. We know what they do every year. Great defense. And then Arizona State, they've had a weird topsy-turvy year, kind of like Minnesota. They were started the year 5-1. and one. They lose back-to-back, then win 3-4 to end the year. It's an intriguing matchup, and I was kind of surprised, again, at that point spread. Casey, okay, so we'll go to you first on this one. Do you believe in the Badgers' defense enough 
to overcome what their offense can't do in this game. I absolutely do, Wally. And I I thought this was looking like to be one of the easier bets in the whole bowl season. We were talking about it before the show. Wisconsin was red hot before their regular season, regular season ending loss to Minnesota. Arizona State has some opt-outs. I, I don't really think I've heard anything about Wisconsin. So I really expect them to control the game for most of the entire game. I don't know if we forgot how great this Wisconsin defense is. You know, they they give up 16 points a game, but we've seen, you know, the Notre Dame game where 28 of those points aren't actually on them and the Michigan game where 14 of them were actually on the defense. They only give up 240 yards a game. I just think this Wisconsin team is going to come out and, and shut down Arizona State. I don't think Wisconsin necessarily blows them out because, like, Wally said their offense isn't very good or <laughs> at all, I guess. But I just don't think there will ever be any doubt. I have Wisconsin covering the six and winning 24-14, to 14, so the under hits as well. And are you also riding with the Badgers, or are you a little bit more concerned with that Graham Mertz-led offense here? I feel the same way as Casey as I thought this was the easiest. Like, I... If I wasn't, like, I didn't, if I didn't have such a gap in the standings, and that's not me trying to, like, poke fun at you guys, if there wasn't a gap, this would definitely be my super lock. Unfortunately, I, like I said, I'm playing conservative. I'm not going to do this. I really think Wisconsin's defense is super, super good, and Wisconsin's offense will do – they found something, I think, within the running game a little bit. Not to make their offense, like, good, but, like, made them so – they weren't absolutely terrible, if that makes sense. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. I have Wisconsin minus the six, and this total is 41 and a half. I, it is like dangerously close to the auto bet of the under, but I, I'm still taking the under because <laughs> Wisconsin's going to chew up the clock. Go Badgers. Bucky. See, this is a game that I actually agree. Everything points that way. And a couple things I wanted to even point out here for Wisconsin and Arizona State, where Arizona State has a ton of people missing in this game. They have their starting running back, Rashad White. He's sitting out. He's accounted for 15 touchdowns over 1,000 yards. He's preparing for the draft. You have their backup running back who has 400 touch, 400 touchdowns, that'd be a lot, 400 yards and six touchdowns. He's transferring. He's out. And then they're starting cornerbacks. Jack Jones and Chase Lukic are preparing for the draft. And then their starting center is expected to miss the game with an injury. Everything here, and this is the funny part, Wisconsin. Is there one other program in the country that could say this? They have 12 guys that are probably going to be either drafted or signed as NFL players. None of them are opting out. If that doesn't say everything you need to know about the Wisconsin culture as a whole and what they're doing up there, I'm taking Wisconsin to win, but I'm taking the Arizona State spread, I guess, of plus six. That's a trash bet, Wally. It, it might be. It might be. I'm taking the under. I think Wisconsin wins, but it's not because of the offense. I have them winning 20-17 to 17 in this game, and I, I don't know what else to say other than, Hayden, props to you because your halftime adjustment this year of your super lock I know it screwed me up because I started getting that in my head sometimes. That dynamic, everything changed when you started dropping multiple units on games. So, credit to you next year. I'm going to go into the year a little bit more prepared on that front because you definitely got us there. I threw a little curveball, you know, for baseball analogy. Threw a curveball and got y'all swinging. 
Yeah, there was a stretch where Casey and I were up like six or eight units on the year, and you were down eight units. And then three weeks later, we're like, what happened? Superlock came to bite us in the ass. Our next game here, though, this kind of just, you know, this is kind of a bite of the ass of the Big Ten fans out there. You want another Big Ten team in a bowl game? This is the price you're going to pay. Rutgers plays Wake Forest, and I don't really even know how to toss this game because these are teams that aren't, they shouldn't be or competing against each other, but it's because of COVID that they are. I Whoever wants to take this first, Wake Forest is favored 15 and a half, over 162 and a half. I'll make mine super, super quick. I am going Wake Forest minus the 15 and a half just because it short notice and everything like that. I, I think that's going to play a little bit into this game. Wake Forest is going to win this, I think, handily. And I'm going to take the over just because Wake Forest doesn't know how to play any defense at all. And uh, Wake Forest is going to score a bunch on Rutgers. So, you know, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but Wake Forest, there's a scenario where they're in the 50s by themselves. So good luck. I'll go quick here, too. I have Wake Forest big. I I have it 45 to 24, somewhere in that range. So they're going to cover. They're going to hit the over, too. It's just good for Rutgers to get this experience in a bowl game but they don't belong on the field with this Wake Forest team. Yeah, Wake Forest is really a quality team this year. They have a really explosive offense, and Rutgers, their offense has been absolutely garbage at time. So I fully expect this one to get ugly as well. I have Wake covering the 15-and-a-half, which probably has to be the biggest line in all of the bowl games, I, I would assume. I'm gonna go with the under though. I'm gonna think I'm gonna say that Wake wins like thirty-eight to fourteen. Yeah, it sounds like that one's we're pretty clear cut where we're going with that, but hopefully Rutgers can surprise us and surprise some people as well. Next game's actually our closest game spread wise on the entire docket. Penn State is facing the Arkansas Razorbacks, where the lines kind of jump back and forth a lot here, probably because of some opt-outs again for Penn State, but they're now a one point dog against Arkansas. You had the Clifford announcement a couple weeks ago. It might have been a week and a half ago, somewhere in that range of he is coming back. Between that and the James Franklin announcement of he's also coming back next year, do you think this is going to be a focused Penn State team that's really trying to put an exclamation point on a year that I feel like started so hot and got so, I guess, underwhelming down the stretch, losing five games? They probably didn't feel like they entirely deserved most of those. Yeah, Wally, I do think that this is going to be a uh, a little revenge game. Uh, maybe I'll call it for Penn State. I, I think they're by far, I mean, I don't really compare five-loss teams, but like they've got to be the best five-loss team in the country. Lost at Iowa by three when their quarterback was out the second half. Clifford was hobbled the entire Illinois game, lost by, in nine overtimes. Took Ohio State down to the wire, had a fourth-quarter lead against Michigan, and made Michigan State sweat it out, and then there's their five losses. So I still believe that Penn State's one of the best teams in the Big Ten. Really can't believe that they're underdogs in this game. I know Dotson's not playing. I'm taking Penn State plus one, Penn State money line, and I have the overhitting with Penn State winning 34-24. to I can believe that Penn State is underdogs. And the reason I say that is because James Franklin will always James Franklin in a big game, and he will always – always mess something up and that's just the way that it goes and it's been the story as long as time that he's been at Penn State he always screws something up so with that being said 
Arkansas minus one is my play. I'm also taking the under because Penn State's defense is good, man. They're they're really good, and I, I think they'll have to carry Penn State like they have pretty much all year to have a chance to win this game. I just don't think uh, they quite they quite get it done. A lot of people are fixating on Jahan Dotson's opting out, but I think what a lot of people are not paying attention to is Traylon Burks opting out for Arkansas because the fall-off in quality of wide receiver, I feel like, for Penn State isn't as harsh, where Arkansas, I mean, Traylon Burks had 66 catches for 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns this year. To give you an idea, their next leading receiver, Tyson Morris, had 21 catches, 305 yards, and two touchdowns. And those were good for second best on the team. So the fall-off from the Arkansas wide receiver standpoint, I think is harsher than what you might actually see here. Jahan Dotson's better. But I, I just think that Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert-Smith, they can overcompensate for his absence a lot more than the Arkansas wide receivers can. You might even see Penn State be able to run the ball a little bit since Arkansas can't stop a nosebleed that way either. That would be a miracle. Wouldn't it? It's, it's literally the immovable object versus, what? Well, what's the expression? Uh, the unstoppable force. There you go. Except it's a very stoppable a very stoppable force and a very movable object. But anyways, I, I do have Penn State plus one money line in the under of 47 and a half. Penn State wins 24 to 21. Should probably be more. But again, like Hayden said, James Franklin's got a James Franklin a little bit. Which will take us into our next bowl, the Verbo Citrus Bowl, where number 15 Iowa Hawkeyes are facing off against the number 22 Kentucky Wildcats down in Florida. This is a game... That kind of made me laugh when you saw this initial matchup because, what, after the month of September, a lot of people were doing the, hey, it'd be sweet to see Iowa and Georgia matchup, these elite defenses. This is probably a bit, a little bit more of a an appropriate matchup. Both these teams, very good defense. Kentucky actually has a decent offense. I feel really good about this game, but I'll, I'll save my big pick reveal here for a second. Hayden, we'll go to you first this one. Iowa, do we finally see any offense this year, or what happens? This is a disaster waiting to happen, isn't it not? No, Iowa sucks. Kentucky, I'm not saying big, but Kentucky will cover the three. But take the under, 44. Iowa, we've been saying it all year. They're just absolutely garbage on offense. I don't know. This spread seems a little low to me. Maybe that's just because I've watched Iowa all year and I think they suck. But it seems it seems a little low. But uh, again, no no super lock. Just because uh, you got to play a little little soft here. It's like I'm playing the prevent defense, which usually comes back and bites teams in the ass. We'll see if we'll see next week when if this happens. You know, I know that. Kentucky had a great year, whatever, but they really don't have any quality wins. And I know Iowa has been one of the more interesting teams in the Big Ten this year, but they have really quality wins this year over Iowa State and Penn State. You know, but their offenses also look really, really bad at times. So they were my adopted team this season. So that's the only reason why I'm going to roll with them in this game. Uh, absolutely no football part of me says to take Iowa in this game just because their offense is that bad. And like Hayden said, Kentucky really has a decent offense paired with a, a pretty good defense. But I'm I'm going to take Iowa plus three. I'm going to take Iowa money line and definitely smash 
the under um, if Iowa has any shot at winning. All right, so here I'm just going to spitfire a few things, but this is the equivalent to my super lock. I don't know what we want to call it for me, but I am big, big on Kentucky in this game. This, this is, is a Hail Mary. Well, see, it's not even a Hail Mary because I think I would need to get an onside kick and get another Hail Mary to get involved. But I I am throwing one up there. This is either going to put me in third place or I will probably finish ahead of Casey on this play. But I have three units on Kentucky minus three, two on their money line, and two on the under. And I'm going to tell you why. This, first of all, Kentucky team could be the fourth ever. That's, like, that's a seven-unit play, dude. That's, dude. that's like... If you're going to ever bet real money, this is like, you got to go throw like 10 G on this. My Christmas money is going to go on this game. I like can already tell you, this is, this is big time, a real green dollar bet here. The reason why is first of all, Iowa, we've talked about it. They've lived on the turnover this year. This is amazing. This is an amazing stat for a 10 win team, but they are averaging less than 24 points a game and allowing over 19 points. And they have 10 wins. I don't know how that happens. Kentucky is going to... I mean, they're going to score in this game. Their only problem is they've turned the ball over 22 times themselves this year. I have to imagine this month off, the whole focus on this game was if we do not turn this ball over, Iowa will not beat us. And I believe that happens here. Kentucky is going to... What I have written down here. Oh, here it is. Oh, I already even put it down here written. I even have it written down here. I want to get in my car, drive 100 miles an hour to the sports book and place wager of my life on Kentucky here. Because I'm feeling that confident. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to come back, look and like an idiot. But I, I think that Kentucky's going to win going away in this game. Like 24 to 3, kind of. They're gonna win going away, twenty-four to three. <laughs> that that sounds fun for these two teams. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're that's right. going away. That is hilarious, right there. Oh, it's not good. It's not good, but it, it's it feels right. It feels right. Uh, anyways, let's. <laughs> we're gonna get into our two biggest games. At least for people like us, the games we're most looking forward to: Utah and Ohio State. They're playing in the Rose Bowl. Ohio State has had a few big opt-outs here in the last 24 hours between MPF, Haskell Garrett, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. First of all, as a Buckeye fan, you know, wish them all the best of luck. They were awesome. As Buckeyes, and I've got nothing against them for this. The fact that people can get upset about opt-outs, it still amazes me. Purely, if you get mad, you're just a loser. If you get mad about this, you are an absolute loser. I literally couldn't agree more. Complete loser. You telling yourself that you shouldn't have your opinion respected. But anyways, the line is down because of that from 6.5 to 4.5, which brought down the over-under in this game. I want to say 66 to 64. So, Hayden, we'll go to you first. I know that you hinted at it at the start of the show. You have the Utah money line. Can you walk us through how we get there? And I assume, obviously, at that point as well, you're going to be taking Utah plus 4.5. Yeah. I, so even before, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to phrase this in a way that I don't sound, I don't know, disrespectful, I guess. But before the opt-outs, I thought the line should have been more like it is now, if that makes sense. I think that the line should have opened around this four and a half and five point range, regardless of the Ohio State players that are opting out. Utah 
plays a, a style that I think is most comparable to Michigan on Ohio State's schedule where they're going to run the ball and they're going to play great defense uh, and they're going to make you earn it. And Ohio State has proven, this year at least, in the two games where they've played teams, I guess really three games, you're talking about the Oregon-Penn State game and the Michigan game, where you play teams that are going to try to out-physical you, that they really do. Penn State pretty much out-physicaled Ohio State for that game that they played. Michigan definitely did, and you can say the same thing about Oregon. So the three times that Ohio State's been challenged physically up front, they, they have either lost or it's been you know a close, close game. And I think that that should be Utah's plan going in. And 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 as an Ohio State fan, that scares me. One, just because it's, they've proven it all year that they haven't been able to handle that. And two, if you think about this game, who is more excited to be at the Rose Bowl? Is it Utah or is it Ohio State? Because the answer is clear that it is Utah. This, this literally might be one of the biggest games in their program history. It biggest, like it, right? I, it, it has to be the biggest. It, it, it very well could be. And... They, I don't think they have anybody opting out. They are definitely, they're going to have everybody ready to go and they're going to be fired up to play. And I don't know if Ohio State is going to be able to match that just with the way the season is going. Obviously, Ohio State's goals weren't to be in the Rose Bowl unless that was a semifinal game. And it's not. And that's where they are. I don't know, man. This, this, this screams upset alert to me very loud. So, yeah, I'm taking Utah money line. I'm taking Utah plus the four and a half. And I'm also, uh, I'm going to take the under of 64. I think with uh, the two receivers being out and in the style that Utah plays defensively, I think they can hold Ohio State down a little bit uh, when they're on offense. So I think I, those are my plays for this game. And I feel very strongly about those too. Casey, let's go over to you now. And I guess we'll round it out with me. What do you have here? Who wins? Are you as... I guess confident is Hayden that Utah is going to give the work a little bit to Ohio State here. Yeah, so I'm not really as confident that Utah can just beat Ohio. Ohio State's a more talented team. Hayden said it. I mean, motivation matters, and especially in bowl games like this. You, the Michigan-Ohio State game, it was very uh, clear that Michigan was a more motivated team, and you know they came out and executed their game plan better. And so I think you like Utah wanting to be there definitely evens out the talent gap that Ohio State has over over Utah, in my opinion. I haven't watched much of Utah this season, but like, you know, in the little bit that I have and everyone's been saying it, you know, they're apparently a very physical football team. To be honest with you, especially with Haskell Garrett opting out, I can't imagine that Ohio State got all that much tougher in the past month, you know, since the Michigan game. So, you know, with Utah being the more motivated team, the more physical team, and paired with big-time opt-outs for Ohio State, I'm, I'm taking Utah plus a four-and-a-half. I'm going to take Utah money line, and I'm also going with the under. I have Utah winning the game 35-28. to 28. No, I, you guys have really said everything. I, I, the only thing that I can hope for is that this game and the Michigan game kind of send a message to the coaching staff and to the players about the future, about what needs to change. Because right now, not to say that it's like all finesse, no toughness whatsoever. I mean, these are still very good teams that Ohio State is struggling with. But at the same point, if you want to go to the next level again, get to the Alabamas again, 
You have to be physical and more physical than you have been. I mean, Utah's going to try to turn this into a fist fight. And I think that's going to keep the under in play. And I think that's what's going to happen. I still have Ohio State winning. So I'm alone there. I think they went 34 to 31. So, but I like the Utah Utes there plus four and a half. It's going to be another one of those games. I don't know if it's going to need an Ohio State touchdown late or if it's going to need a rare Ohio State stop late. But I think that's what it's going to come down to. And I Utah very well could win this game. I truly believe this is the biggest game in Utah football history, even when they were undefeated or with one loss with Alex Smith and Urban Meyer. This feels more of an arrival because at that point it was a stepping stone job for Urban Meyer. You knew that the the glory days were there and they're about to leave. This feels the opposite. This feels like a Utah team that for years now has been knocking on the door and I think they're finally going to get through. And if they win, look out because it's not just Oregon's or USC's to win, even with Lincoln Riley going forward out there in Pac-12. I have uh, two underrated storylines for this game, and they really have nothing to do with like the actual outlook of each program. But Utah starting running back Tavion Thomas is from Cincinnati, and he was he actually enrolled at Cincinnati and then transferred out to Utah, and he was not. He he got recruited late by Ohio State. Ohio State was trying to fill the void in their uh, 2018 class, and they kind of started going after him late. And they actually got a crystal ball for him, but he ended up still going to Cincinnati since that was around where he's from. Well, he's since transferred to Utah. This year, he has 1,041 yards, 20 touchdowns, and he's averaging five yards a carry. So that could be interesting. I, I, I really think that he could have a big day for Utah. And then another one, and this one hurts Ohio State because I think he really could have helped this year. Clark Phillips III, which most people probably don't know, uh, but he was a longtime Ohio State commit. He's from California, and he was like a top 100 player. Uh, He was committed to Ohio State for a very long time and then flipped to Utah, I believe, either right before signing day or on signing day. Um, And he's starting at Utah, and he's had a very, very good year. So those are two guys I'm kind of going to be looking for on New Year's Day when this game happens because I think those two could actually make a big difference. Yeah, Hayden, I remember that Clark Phillips little little flip there too. I believe that was on signing day because I remember when Utah signed him, they like quote tweeted him or something that said the University of Utah or something cheesy like that. And here we are two years later. Now they get to they get to play it out. So that that is a very interesting storyline. But one thing that I want to mention is that I I I don't think we're taking any shots at Ohio State, the the players or the coaching staff, saying that they're not motivated in this game. I think it's more of a – what am I trying to say here? I think it's more indicative as to what their expectations are in, in the program. It's not like – like if, if, if Ohio State fans are mad that they might not be up for this game, then your expectations are to win a national title every, every year. Does that make sense of what I'm trying to say there? Yeah, to me it's like the – you have the groom and you have a, a groomsman at a wedding, right? They both want to be there, but it's different for one versus different for another. This is it, like that old SEC expression. It means more like this game for Utah is program defining. It's like generational for that program for Ohio state. It's kind of being perceived as like a letdown. Oh, we're in the Rose bowl. That's what I'm saying. If, if it's unclear. Yeah, no, I, I I think I totally understood what 
you and Hayden were both saying, but I just wanted like our, our listeners to understand that we're not like, you know, necessarily crapping on Ohio State or really the Rose Bowl, I guess. It's the expectations for Ohio State as they should be, are to make the college football playoff and to compete for a national championship. And when you don't do it, you got to think there's got to be some sort of letdown, even if you're playing in the Rose Bowl. No, I yeah, completely agree. I think we're we're on the same page, and, and you're right. It's good to clear that up for the listeners so they don't think we're just out here bashing people Lolly. for fun. What's up, Hayden? This, this, and I hate to say this because this is horrible, but this... Outside of the 2011 year, and I always try to keep that year into perspective because that was just a weird That year didn't exist to me. Yeah, it doesn't exist to me either. Outside of that year, this could be the first three-loss Ohio State team since 2008. 2008. Is that the year they lost to Texas? Yes, sir. That's the year they lost to Texas in the Fiesta Bowl in that crazy game. I've actually rewatched that game multiple times. But yeah, that, just interesting to see. We we had high expectations for this year, but this could be a three-loss Ohio State team when it's all said and done. Not to get too off topic, but that game I still remember for the Terrell Pryor going up to catch the ball. I think it was either, was it a touchdown or a two-point conversion? But either way, it felt like it felt like at the time because the narrative in the country was Ohio State can't win big bowl games or BCS bowl games at that point. And then it felt like you got over the hump and then Colt McCoy just walks right down the field and ruins your day once again. But I assume you guys are good to go. We can get into our college football playoff and then send everybody on their way before New Year's. What do you guys say? Let's do it. Perfect. The Michigan Wolverines in the Georgia Bulldogs. They're facing off at Hard Rock Stadium down in Miami, Florida. Seven and a half point spread right now for Georgia as the favorite, I should say. And the over-under is set at 45. You have been hearing rumors about Georgia's got a little bit of a COVID problem going on right now. It's a hotbed down there in Florida right now. That's just an element to how deeply, I guess, complicated this college football season has been. We truly don't know by the time kickoff comes. Either team, who's going to be available, who's not. But as it sits right now on, what, December 28th at 6.37 p.m., Casey, go to you first. Who's winning this game? And tell us why before we get into the spreads and all that. Yeah, it's a a really great matchup overall. Um, The nation's best offensive line faces off against probably the best front seven uh, defense in in all of college football as well. Really just a, a matchup dream for college football fans. You know, two quarterbacks who are very similar, both undersized, but have good arm talent. Running back units that are absolutely loaded. And wide receiving cores who are talented, but most of them are unproven. So ultimately, I think this game comes down to I, I, I both defenses are, are similar. Different, I mean, kind of different styles, but I think they're similar into in, in what they do. So I think it's going to come down to which quarterback may, makes the most plays and I'm going to give the edge to Michigan and Cade McNamara. It might just be because I've watched Michigan all year and I haven't watched much of Georgia, but you know, I think Cade has taken major strides this entire season. I think he's confident, which is, which is absolutely key in a game like this. And I, I honestly just can't imagine, uh, you know, the, I, if if C.J. Stroud can't do it, I, to be honest with you, I don't think I, – I can't imagine Stetson Bennett can be the guy that beats Michigan. I, to I, be fair, it, it wasn't really C.J. Stroud's fault. 
I, I think Georgia's offensive line is going to protect better than what Ohio State. I, I think he's just saying and, that he did. He's not going to like overcome. Like if if CJ Stroud couldn't overcome what they did, then Stetson Bennett's not going to overcome it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I I I, I would. I, I mean, is it crazy to think that uh, Ohio State's offensive line is better than Georgia's? If you look at the first team All American, the second team All American, you see Ohio State there, Mudford, MPF, you know, all all these all conference. Teams. I think it's a little crazy, a little bit. It's a little crazy. I mean, okay. Well, either way, I think Michigan's going to be able to get pressure. I don't think there's any doubt on that. So I don't think Stetson Bennett is the guy that is going to be able to beat Michigan. I really don't. I do think Georgia will be able to move the ball. Their run game is is really good, and you know Stetson Bennett does deliver sometimes on shots down the field. But uh, I think Michigan's bend but don't break defense uh, will prevail, and they'll win the game twenty eight to twenty seven. Which inter- interestingly enough will be the only the fourth college football playoff semifinal game decided by a touchdown or fewer, which is absolutely crazy. I think there's been 14 of them. There's only been three that have been one-score games, so that's kind of crazy. Sorry, uh, I'm taking Michigan plus 7.5, Michigan money line, and taking the over. I don't think it's crazy to say that Michigan can definitely win this game. And to be fair to you, Casey, I actually don't think it's crazy to say that the OSU O-line can be argued as better. I'm not saying that they are because I think that they kind of got exposed by Michigan where Georgia's line, even in that Alabama game, they held up a little bit better. Uh, I I would still, but for whatever you want to take that as, I I do think that Georgia will win a very tight ball game. I think that the biggest thing that's going to come into this, can Cade McNamara win this game for Michigan? I'm not really sure yet against the defense of this quality right now. I think whoever's going to be able to run the ball with better success and protect the ball just wins this game in general. And if they both do, Georgia wins. And I think both do. So, again, I have 21-17 to 17 final score. So take Michigan plus 7.5, take Georgia money line, and then I personally have the under being a touchdown short, unlike Casey having it two touchdowns over there. I think I'm going to start by saying this should be a surefire under bet. I think the under should hit. But, like with all things and with gambling, when you're so sure about something, it's probably not going to happen. So, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm still going to bet the under. I, I think both defenses are very, very, very good. And I, I think points are going to be hard to come by. The half point on the 7.5 really is the reason why why I'm taking this bet. If it was at strictly seven or less, I would probably take Georgia. But with the seven and a half, that half point's really leaning me towards Michigan. I'm going to take Michigan plus seven and a half. I, I think this game will be close, but I think Georgia will have control throughout, if that makes sense. I think like it, it will be a touchdown game the entire time or, you know, that three to seven point game the entire time. But I don't think... Oh, there ever be a point where Michigan is winning and it feels like they will win, if that makes sense. I think it'll be close, but I think Georgia will be in control throughout. I guess a couple quick things I want to say before we, we wrap up and then or have you guys rebuttal me here too, is that I think these teams are just so similar right now, where in that both quarterbacks, just to give you an idea here on their stats, like Caden McNamara, twenty four hundred yards, fifteen touchdowns, four interceptions. 
Whereas Stetson Bennett, 2,300 yards, 24 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. These defenses have really carried these teams all year, and they're asking their running backs and their offensive line to do enough to win games. And I just think that the way these teams match up, I would probably bet on Georgia's defense of line more. I, I just, it's so close. It's so close. I, I actually think that this, that's why the spread's crazy to me, but I think it's going to be within four to six points one way or another, whoever wins. No, I, I, I agree with that, dude. I, I I don't know how to, I would take Michigan's ends, but I would definitely take Georgia's interior. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. That's it's, obvious, I think. You're splitting hairs, right? I know, yeah, that's, teams. I mean... And I, I just think that when defending the run, you want dudes in the middle. Like, what's that dude from Georgia's name, that big SOB, Jordan, Jordan Davis. Davis? But Jordan Davis literally plays two plays and then he's off. Or if Michigan picks up the tempo, the dude, I think you've probably seen the video of him against Alabama where he literally just stood up and he was just like, hunched over on the guy, basically. So, like, at 360 pounds, I get it. He's a low to, to move. But he, I mean, he gets tired quick. And so Michigan can utilize that and get him out of the game. And then, you know, that would be obviously key for Michigan. You, yeah, you might be right. I don't know. I, I, I still think that the depth on the interior at Georgia is just more. And I think throughout a game like this, it'll benefit Georgia to be able to rotate like that and have more guys on the inside. I not to be a punny guy or whatever, but it's it's gonna be a dogfight. It's gonna be a battle between offensive lines and front sevens, really, in this game. Is it not fair to say whoever wins the line of scrimmage wins this game? I feel like you could say that with most games, but yes. <laughs> you're right, you're right. But this one feels maybe I'm just being too generic, but it feels even ever more important in this one. Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying. Because, you know, both teams really rely on running the ball. And if one team can't run the ball the way that they uh, are accustomed to, then, yeah, it would be someone would probably lose, you know, if they can't run the ball the way that they normally do. But uh, just just food for thought here. Remember, Michigan is the best team in the nation against the spread this year. They're 11-2. and They're 12-1 overall. They're overall record. But 11-2 and against the spread. So taking Michigan plus 7.5 is a smart play. I think they're due for losing then, right? Yeah, I, I don't know, I guess. I'm not sure how that how that works. I think I would put it, the odds are with you for them to cover the spur. Who's who's the better quarterback, McNamara or Bennett? Real, real I, quick. I don't know. Quick. I don't know. Toss-up. Uh, it's a toss-up, but I I would... <laughs> Dude, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. Toss-up. Literally 50-50. It's as close to 50-50 as there can be. Okay, who's got the better running back? Michigan. Oh, really? I can't believe you're debating that. I don't know. It's closer than what you think. Okay. Receiving core. I think Georgia has the best weapon overall with Brock Bowers, but Michigan's ability to really pass the ball to any any one of their seven receivers that play – um, really, Georgia does the same thing, too, but really kind of makes it more. Do you think it's more difficult to guard against four or five receivers? Or, like, do you think it's easier to guard against, like, a Jahan Donson where you can, you know, try to focus on him and get him out? I don't know. 
not to be too, I guess, technical with it, but I think it depends on your quarterbacks too. If you're only getting to two or three reads, shutting down that main guy is really important. But if Cade McNamara is the guy that's able to get to his third or fourth read, I guess, consistently, then yeah, I think you would go with the Michigan wide receiving core. I just don't know if he's going to have the time. Better offensive line unit. I would think you have to go with Michigan, right? It's Michigan, but it's again, it's I think it's closer than people think. It's not like the Georgia line's bad. I think I think the margins on all of these are close. Yeah, and, and that's that's the point. That's why you guys were like laughing at me when I said Georgia's was running backs were closer than Michigan's running backs. It's like I I don't I, think it's that far out outside the box to say that it's comparable. But I feel like if there's one unit where you can really kind of say, all right, you know, Michigan's better at this spot. I thought it would be running back, but you know, you're right. Georgia has, you know, high ranked running backs as well, but no, I, I agree with you. I think it's so close at, at each unit. And I think that it, it might be weird to say, but I think Michigan is going to be more motivated in, in this game. I think that they're a team that feels like they're like on a Cinderella story or, or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, I think they're going to handle it like a business trip, like they have been since they've been down there. You know, they're not going to be going out doing stuff, missing guys with COVID and stuff. That's that's another thing that could be a factor, too. I don't know who's all going to be back and who's all going to play from Georgia. See, I don't know if motivated would be the word, opposed to, uh, I guess, confident. Because maybe Michigan coming off of the wins and, and everything, they're more confident. That, I would say, maybe more uh, the better word. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I completely agree with you. Yep, confident is a better word in that situation. Yeah, so I agree in that front. Now, I do think it's close. Like, when I say it's 21-17, to I'm not saying that Michigan can't win this game. I think it really could happen that way. My difference is that, yeah, while Michigan has the better running backs, I like the defensive backs, I feel like, as a collective whole for Georgia to at least slow up Cade McNamara more if they're asked to do it. Because if Michigan's in third and fives and Georgia's in third and sevens, that's when we were talking before about the run game, staying ahead of schedule. Yeah, you know what? It's going to be close, but I I just think I'm going to give the edge to the Georgia secondary, and that's why I'm giving the win to Georgia. Fair enough. I I literally can't wait for the game, so excited to see how both these teams play. Do do we think that Cincinnati stands any shot against Alabama? No. No. No, I, I'm glad that you brought that up. If you guys just want to say real quick, since we don't have the spreads in front of us, a score in your head, because I think, Casey, I think you and I had like the exact same score, did we not, like two weeks ago? What was it, like 38-17 to 17 or something? It was like 45-17 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, nothing's changed. I still think it's going to be a blowout. 38-10. to 10. Three touchdowns. And, and, and Alabama... And Alabama is acting – this is the thing that's just mind-blowing. Alabama is acting like they're underdogs in this game. Like, give me an effing break, dude. No one is better, ever has been better, than Nick Saban getting his team to feel doubted. Because, I mean, shit, you see guys like Bryce Young, his freaking Heisman acceptance speech. He's just like, no one ever believed in me. It's kind of been a thing. I've always had to overcome doubts. That he was the second recruit in the country, was he not? Like, everybody was laughing. Josh Jacobs, my Raider running back, he gets drafted. He's just like, no one ever believed in me. Like, no one ever believed in me. You're a first-round running back. Like, come on. He's a wizard. He's got a gift. Speaking of gifts, it's a great time to wrap up, talking about Christmas season and all that. 
It's a great time of year between bowl season, holiday season. The three of us, we hope you all have had happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. And then happy new year coming up here. Hopefully 2022 get a little bit better every year. I feel like now it's turning into that. But guys, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners before we wrap up? Happy new year. Yeah, happy new year. Stay safe. Don't drink and drive. Enjoy the bowl games. Get your booster shot. Although the day after sucks. Yeah. See you. Make sure you also follow us on Twitter at P and N Pod, Facebook and at P and N Pod, and Instagram also at P and N Pod. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys back here next week for episode 49 of Pigskins and Island.